0: first lesson for this uh, third Sunday after the epiphany as well as our celebration of life Sunday is found recorded in the book of Jeremiah chapter 29 beginning at verse 1. A portion of this text will be the basis for our sermon this morning. This is the text of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remnant of the elders in exile and to the priests the prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after uh, Jeconiah, the queen mother, the secretaries, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and the metal workers had gone into exile from Jerusalem. The letter was delivered by Elisa, son of Japhon, and Jemaiariah, Son of Hilkiah, when Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent them to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the letter said: The Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to those to says this to all the exiles whom I have deported from Jerusalem to Babylon: Build houses and settle in them; plant gardens and eat their fruit. Get married and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease in number. Seek the peace of the city where I have exiled you. Pray to the Lord for that city because when it has peace and prosperity, you will have peace and prosperity. The Lord of armies, the God of Israel says this, do not let the prophets and fortune tellers who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams they dream for you, for they prophesy falsely in my name. But I have, but I did not send them, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, beginning at the 14th verse. These are the words of Jesus, and it is actually in chapter 3 where Jesus spoke to the seven congregations in Asia Minor. This is the congregation in Laodicea. To the messenger of the church in Laodicea, write, The Amen, the faithful, and true witness, the ruler of God's creation, says this, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot, If only you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and not hot or cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have become very wealthy and need nothing. But you do not know that you are miserable, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may be clothed. And the shame of your nakedness may not become public, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. I rebuke and discipline those whom I love, so take this seriously and repent. Look, I stand at the door and I am knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will go in with him and dine with him, and he with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my Father on his throne. Whoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, beginning at the third verse. While he was sitting, that is Jesus, on the Mount of Olives, The disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? Jesus answered them, Watch out that no one deceives you, because many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will deceive many people. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, because all these things must happen. But that is not yet the end. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, but all these things are only the beginning of birth pains. Then they will hand you over to be persecuted, and they will put you to death. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many will fall away from faith. They will betray each other and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because lawlessness will increase, the love of many will grow cold. But whoever endures to the end will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the Old Testament of Jeremiah, chapter 9, beginning at the fourth verse. This is the first part of Jeremiah's letter to the exiles in Babylon. The Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says this to all the exiles whom I have deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Get married and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease in number. Seek the peace of the city where I have exiled you. Pray to the Lord for that city because when it has peace and prosperity, you will have peace and prosperity. The Lord of the armies, the God of Israel, says this, Do not let the prophets and fortune-tellers who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams they dream for you, for they prophesy falsely in my name, but I did not send them, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm going to be really straightforward and blunt. If you don't understand this one glorious truth, which is divine, then I can tell you right now, you will not understand this sermon. You will not appreciate it. It will be over your head, and in fact, it will go in one ear and out the other. And this glorious truth that cannot be denied, it is God who gave us life. Yes, God who gave us life. He is the one who knit us together in our mother's womb as King David would put it in the Psalms. It is is the Lord who already thought of us even before the creation of the world. he, He knew us and knew us well. We are not accidents. We are beautiful creations of God that God himself made. Each and every one unique and no two people alike. Even twins are not exactly alike. Which I find amazing. And it is the very Lord God who gave us life in the sense that he gave us eternal life. It is the Lord God who paid for our sins. The very sins we inherited. The very sins we commit. It is the very Lord who paid for those sins on the cross. But he took on the sins of the world and in exchange gave us his righteousness which is ours through faith in him alone and then blessed us with everlasting life in heaven it is our hope not a hope that is wishful thinking but a hope that is guaranteed and certain because the cross of Jesus Christ is guaranteed and certain and the proof of it is his resurrection because he lives we too shall live and live eternally because it is the Lord who has given us life our lives belong to him We do not hold to the philosophy, and nor does God ever preach it, that this is your life for you to do with it whatever you want. We live, as St. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And when it comes to giving glory to God, the most basic form is do what God commands you to do and don't do what he forbids. In a nutshell, the do's and don'ts. That's God's law, his holy command. Following his own holy command doesn't earn for us heaven. Jesus won for us heaven, but it is our thankful love that we follow his holy will and his commands of perfect love. And when it comes to To his perfect love, God writes do's and don'ts to the people who are in exile in Babylon. Remember, God has sent one prophet after the next, over 200 years in fact, proclaiming to the people to repent of their sins, their ungodliness, and, and their wickedness even towards each other. He had told them over and over again that it will be the Babylonians that will come and take you into captivity. But the people didn't listen. They did not repent. They continued in their sinful ways. Oh, they even treated the temple like it was a lucky charm. As long as we have the temple, then God is always going to be among us. Then God is always going to be proud of us. And isn't it interesting that when Nebuchadnezzar came, he destroyed Jerusalem, including temple it didn't stand in 586 BC under Nebuchadnezzar before that last act will take place in the destruction of Jerusalem it will be over a number of years he will continually send in his soldiers and take back people to Babylon and it was usually those who were of nobility, but also those who were skilled in the craft. He wanted them in Babylon for himself. And a number of people were taken over, and Jeremiah the prophet is sending a letter to these exiles. And it is a letter directly from God himself. He is simply a secretary recording through verbal inspiration What God dictated to him to write to the people. And what is amazing is the opening part of this letter. It had to be extremely comforting to them. Remember, they're in Babylon because of their impenitence. They're in Babylon because of God's anger over what they have been doing and not listening to his holy word. And yet he opens with the words, The Lord of armies and the God of Israel is writing this to you. The Lord of armies, the King James would put it, the Lord of hosts. And the word of hosts, the very word itself, it's an old word, an English word for army. And that is exactly how it's used in the original Hebrew. The Lord of Army reminds us that this is the Lord over the greatest army that the world could ever see and ever have. This is the army of angels that God made to carry out his holy will as he used them to serve mankind. And if he is the Lord of Armies, that he is truly the Almighty who uses those holy angels, as guardian angels even for the people in exile. But he's also the God of Israel. He didn't say, I am the God that used to be of Israel. No, I am the God of Israel. Even though he was angry with them, even though he punished them under this Babylonian captivity, he did not disown them. He did not discredit them. When he calls himself the God of Israel, he's calling himself the God of grace and mercy, who's still reaching out to people who don't deserve his love. That's truly undeserved. And what does he tell them to do? This almighty and gracious God? He tells them to live. Now is not the time to die Now is not the time to give up. Now is not the time to get angry. Seek revenge. Because they first hit you, you hit them back. He tells them to live. Build houses. Put in gardens. Plant them. Eat the fruit from them. Live in those houses. And why? Because go and get married. And go and have children. Because your family's going to need these houses and gardens. Why would he mention about the family unit? Why would he center and focus on that? You really don't have to be a rocket scientist or an expert theologian when it's very clear that the foundation, as God Himself set it up for society, is the family unit. The family that is made up of one man and one woman committed to live together for life as husband and wife. They become mother and father and and, and have children. And and what is interesting is, is when it comes to God's holy understanding of children, who makes children, is that he doesn't distinguish between unborn and born. He calls both of them babies. Whether they're inside the womb or out of the womb, these are babies whom he has created and whom he has saved. Because they too are sinners who need a Savior, and Jesus is their Savior. The family unit... Made up of a mother and father, united in Christ, blessed with children, which comes from the Almighty himself, is what he tells them to continue to do and to hold to and to cherish. It is, once again, the foundation of our society. When you tear down the foundation, the society will come crashing down. When a society accepts that it's okay to destroy the relationship of a man and woman in the relate in the marriage relationship and start to use God's gift of sex outside of that. When a nation and society decides that a, a, a family is not going to start with a man and woman, but it can be something else. It's destroying the family union unit it's destroying the foundation of its very existence and then when a society accepts the killing of whether the child is not born or even born and then as the child gets over gets older and we see it in its old age the society is destroying itself when it's when it's okay to end that person's life because they're no longer considered a value to society. They don't contribute anything anymore. They're just old and feeble. It is not God's holy will when it comes to euthanasia, which is oftentimes called mercy killing. This is not what God designed. And oftentimes in the name of God, People justify such ungodliness. It's destroying the foundation of the family unit that God has established. Therefore, my dear friends, we can never, ever forget that life has been given to us by God himself who made us and who created us. And it is God's holy will that you live that you live and even give your children off into marriage, that they too have children as we live in these end times. And we are in the end times. In fact, not only live, he even goes on to say, seek peace, seek prosperity, seek peace by getting along with your enemies and, and getting along with those who are your captors. Oh, seek peace, and and, and along with that peace, seek prosperity. Don't be lazy bums. Don't get depressed and think that life is not worth living. God gave you this life to live as you look forward to everlasting life in heaven. Work. It is not God's holy will to be couch potatoes and lazy bums, so to speak. He gave us the gift of work. And even though we find ourselves grumbling about it, it is still a blessing from God. Yes, even work itself, we can't thank God enough. And in fact, even pray for that peace and prosperity. Pray that the society and that city grows with peace and prosperity. Because if it does, then that peace and prosperity will come to you. And you know what we call this today? Trickle down economics. What happens with the city, we enjoy. And we're not just enjoying this peace and prosperity because we can finally be rich and powerful. No, we enjoy the peace and prosperity so that we can raise our families as we bring up our children in the way of the Lord and go out in the name of Jesus. Not only knowing his holy word and what he has done for us, but sharing that holy name and word with everyone we meet. Because Jesus is the savior of the world. (laughs) These are the dues that he wanted them to, to carry out as they were in exile. But he did have one don't. He says, don't let the prophets and fortune tellers among you deceive you. This was the same message he had before they were even taken into captivity. When Jeremiah was preaching in Jerusalem and the southern kingdom of Judah, he was constantly telling them not to listen to the false prophets, but the people wouldn't listen. (coughs) And now those false prophets have, have come over and they're still speaking their lies. These are are men who present themselves as telling people what they want to hear, to telling people what their itching ears desire. These are the people that are going to tell you what you want to hear because that's what makes them powerful. That's what makes them important. And then to back up what they're preaching, they would say it comes from the Lord. We had a dream. He spoke to me. The Lord did not send them. And the dream that they are having is not from God. And it must clearly be from Satan. Do not listen to them. And by the way, at the time, you know what they were preaching? Since the people were just taken into captivity, if you could put your feet into their sandals, probably the first thing you would think of is, well, this will only be short term. God's going to take us back again. And that's what they were preaching over and over again. And we know Jeremiah doesn't know. And in this letter, if you read it further, makes it very clear that it was God's intention that they would be in captivity for 70 years through several generations. This is why he's telling them to leave. Don't have a false hope. This is my plan for you. And God's plan was not just for them alone. God's plan was for the entire world. Everything that happened, happened for a reason. To give glory to God's holy name for the saving of souls. But he was in control. And he let let them know a part of his plan, which is evidence of his grace and mercy. So my dear friends, we live. Not listening to false prophets, but listening to the word. And I am thankful that God has given us the written word that we can use to test any prophet, including myself. I must be tested. Do I come from God? Am I proclaiming faithfully his holy word? And in order to test, you have to know that word and know it well. Don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Because the Bible is God's word. But live. Live, my dear friends, knowing that God gave you life. He made you, which is not a mistake. He saved you, which is not a mistake. And if that sounds still over your head, then let me put it in the simplest way possible. Your God is pro-life, which means he is not pro-choice. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.